Welcome to the Collective Leadership Podcast. In this episode, we're featuring session three of the Metro District Conference, In the Spirit. Dr. Ingrid Davis of Leadership Coaching International shares with us on the Spirit of God in ministry. With you here. One of the things that I've learned in ministry is there's always a better preacher in the room. And that preacher is the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit again to come. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are present here with us. And I thank you that you are the best preacher in this room. And so I pray that you would speak your words through me and that we would have hearts to receive what it is that you want to say. Guide us and guard us through this time. We pray against anything in the kingdom of darkness that wants to come against us right now. And we ask your presence, your freedom, your peace to be upon this place. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, his name was Darren. I met him in Sydney, Australia back in 2016. I was speaking at a Salvation Army Corps in the middle of Sydney, and there was a group of ARC, which would be Adult Rehabilitation Center um, residents that were there at the church, and I was told that they were there in the front row. And so I just shared a five-minute testimony, and I used Isaiah 61. I talked about inner healing, and I talked about a life of freedom. And so I spoke Isaiah 61 over them. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness those who are in prison to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn on Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, that they might become oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. At lunch, a young man came up to me, and his name was Darren. And he said, I'm one of those. And I said, what do you mean you're one of those? He said, I'm a prisoner. I'm a captive. He said, my body has been used in unrighteous ways by others. I've used my own body in unrighteous ways. I have numbed my pain through speed and alcohol. I'm captive, and there's a war going on inside of me. And so I said, Darren, do you want to be free? And he says, I do, but I don't know how. Do you want to be free? I do, but I don't know how. And so right there at that moment, I bound the spirits that were totally attacking this young man, and we asked for the freedom of Christ to come. And he said, now I get to be that tree, a tree of righteousness. Well, that same spirit... That was upon the sovereign Lord that Isaiah talks about and prophesies. That spirit is in us, with us, and for us. That same spirit that descended on Christ in a bodily form like a dove, that spoke identity, the Father's identity, that you are my son whom I love, love. with you I am well pleased. I get to hear that every Sunday 
Um, my husband calls uh, my, my father-in-law every Sunday, and I hear his father answer the phone, hello, my son, in whom I am well pleased. And I hear my husband say, hello, pops, in whose pleasure I take delight. Every Sunday. That's identity. That's the spirit that we have over us that says, sons and daughters, you are my beloved Chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. That's our identity. That same spirit that actually sent Jesus into the wilderness. Full of the spirit, it says in Luke 4. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. And three times the enemy came to Jesus, testing his identity, his purpose and his calling, his trust in the Father but the Spirit was with him. You see, the first Adam and Eve, we failed. We failed the temptation. But now Christ comes, the second Adam, and he overcomes by the power of the Spirit. And it says he was led back out in the power of the Spirit. And that's when he goes into the synagogue, as he normally did, and he opens the scroll. And what does he read? Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the spirit that is within you and within me. That same spirit that Jesus said was like a fountain of living water, ready to burst forth unto eternal life. He said it to the woman at the well in John 4. We've heard about that river already this week. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. It becomes a spring of water welling up into eternal life. It's that spring of water that Jesus said in John 7, rivers of living water will flow from within them, and by that he meant the Holy Spirit. That's the river that's within you and me. That's the river of life that's within us. That's the river that we talk about in Ezekiel 47 where the, God comes and says, Son of man, do you not see the temple? Do you see the river that's flowing out from the temple? And the, the water started to rise. Well, God wants the water of his spirit to rise in our souls. And it says wherever the spirit went, wherever the water went, there was life. Wherever the water went, there was life. It's the same river that wells up and we see in Revelation. In Revelations, it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great streets. And on each side of the river stood what? A tree. The tree of life. Bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There is a river of life bubbling up within us, and there's the Holy Spirit. There is a wind that is blowing in us. Jesus said to Nicodemus, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everybody born of the spirit. There is the wind of the spirit in this place. The wind of the spirit that is within each one of us. The wind that keeps our lives becoming dull or uneventful. 
the wind that cannot be contained in just one place, nor is it predictable. And I love what Calvin said yesterday. You know, we're sometimes we're so afraid of the wind of the Spirit, we either pray for excess manifestation or we're afraid of manifestation. There is a wind of the Spirit that wants to blow through our lives and through the, the CMA and the Metropolitan District. That same Spirit was present at every movement in the meta-narrative of God. It was the Spirit that hovered over the chaos. It was the Spirit when God bent down and took the clay and breathed into the clay and we became living souls. That's the breath of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that showed up at redemption when Christ was being, pro was being announced and says to Mary, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. It's that same Spirit that was evident at the resurrection. Jesus says to his followers after he is resurrected, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. It's that same Spirit that is now at work in the church. It's the same Spirit that we, who are part of the Restoration Project, you and I, part of the Restoration Project, through the church, it's that spirit that comes to us, that Pentecostal fire blowing of a violent wind from heaven and filled the whole house where they were. It's that Pentecostal fire that purifies and, and energizes us, that's at work in us, that spirit of Jesus that comes, that power that sanctifies, emboldens, empowers, and fills us with joy and comfort. That's the spirit that is within us, brothers and sisters. Amen. That is the Spirit of God that is within us. Amen. He is holy, but he is not embarrassed to fall onto unadorned tabernacles like us. He is holy, but he is not embarrassed to fall on unadorned tabernacles that walk on this earth. We are his temple. The Spirit of God is in us. And that's why Paul prays in Ephesians for the church at Ephesus. He says to them that you would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you might know what is this hope. But not only that we might know what this hope is, but the world might know what this hope is that was within us. That we would know the immeasurable greatness of his power. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that's at work in us. And Paul wants a church at Ephesus to get this. He talks about their identity. He talks about who they were before God, Christ and after Christ. And now he's saying, you guys aren't getting this. I pray it again in Ephesians 3. He prays, for this reason I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power in your inner being. Strengthened with power in your inner being. Paul says that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Keep on being filled, as Kelvin reminded us yesterday. And that is what the core value of the Christian Missionary Alliance in the Metropolitan District is. 
Did you read your core values? Your core value says everything we are and everything we do flows from the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus commanded the disciples to wait for the Spirit who would empower their ministry to do greater things than even Jesus has done. Do you want to stop and pause on that for a second? Do we really believe that we will do greater things than even Jesus has done? I've had pastors say to me, well, that was Jesus. I mean, it's easy for Jesus to do that. Jesus did the work he did here on this earth because the power of God was with him because the Spirit of God was with him. And that same Spirit is in you, and it is in me. So why is this so important? Why is it so important that we as a district, you as a district, are marked by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and walk with the Spirit? And the, the theme verse for this whole week is, that we are to keep in step with the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So why is this so important? Why is it important that we are empowered and emboldened as Christian leaders in this place and at this time? Because brothers and sisters, we are at war. And that's the word that came to Calvin earlier, that there is a war going on, and there is an enemy of our soul that wants nothing to do with the church and certainly doesn't want to see the church grow. John said it this way in 1 John 5, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. C.S. Lewis said it this way, there's not one square inch of all of creation that is not claimed by God and counterclaimed by the enemy. We are at battle. There is not one square inch of all of creation that is not claimed by God and counterclaimed by the enemy. We are at war. We are in a battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls who do not yet know of a loving God who wants to heal their souls and bring freedom in their lives. It's for the Darrens in the world, those who don't know how or perhaps their hearts are shut. Their eyes have been blinded. And Paul talks about those blinded eyes in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. There are people that we walk by every single day. The eyes of their hearts are blinded. They cannot even see the light of the gospel, who is the image of God. Paul in his calling, when he talks about his calling in Acts 26, he was called to the Gentiles and it says to open their eyes that they might turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. We are at war. But the power of God is within us to bubble up unto eternal life, to bubble up into rivers of living water, that wherever the water goes, there is life. May our lives be that. 
May we be witnesses. We've talked about Acts 1-8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my martyrs. In the original language, martyreo, martyr, witness, testify to what we have seen. It's interesting that the Holy Spirit is also called a witness. John 15, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Martyreo, martyr, witness, testify. We are at war for the souls of men and women, boys and girls, those born and not yet born, who need to know the truth of who Christ is. His birth, his death, his resurrection, his, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. And that he is and he will be and he is to come. That is the good news. That is the Christ event. That's what changes everything. So I have a warning that came from God for the Metro District. I was reading in Proverbs, I've been studying Proverbs for a few months, and I said to the Lord, Lord, what is your word for these people of the CMA in the Metro District? What is your word for them? And he said, go to Thessalonians. I'm like, I'm in Proverbs. He said, go to Thessalonians. <laughs> okay? So I started studying Thessalonians, and I said, Lord, what is your word? And this is the passage that the Lord brought to me, and I'll, I'll have them show it on the screen here from 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test them all. Hold fast to what is good. So here's what the Lord, and abstain from evil. Yes, that's, that's a given. Abstain from evil. <laughs> and abstain from evil. So the word that the Lord pulled out of that for me is the word idle. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. And so I looked at the original language, and in the original language, that word idle is ataktas, ataktas. And it means disorderly or out of ranks. And it was often referred to soldiers. Urge the idle and disruptive. Those who are out of ranks, soldiers who are not in formation, unified formation, 
And that's the word that God is already, is again, just confirming. We need to be unified as a body, as churches, because we are at war. The undisciplined or the lazy or those who are not at their battle stations. The Greeks often used it in the Greek society of those who didn't show up for work. And so I ask, are you showing up? Are you in battle formation, unified as a denomination, as a group of churches, as a group of workers? Are we in battle formation? And so in just a few minutes, we're going to go into a time of prayer. We're going to go into a time of allowing the Holy Spirit to shine a light into our own souls. But we're going to also go into a time of repentance. And maybe just being able to say to one another, you know what, I'm out of formation. I've been idle. And a time of repentance and confession and then a time of filling. We need to be unified. Many of us have become idle or disorderly. To be in formation, we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. How do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? Well, we've heard a lot of that already this week. To keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. It's a nautical term there. It's like hoisting our sails. Lord, we hoist our sails and we let your wind come and blow us where you will. Keep on being filled by the Spirit. But we are also to dwell in his presence. I love the word from Pastor Ritz last night. To dwell in his presence and to behold. You want to stay in formation? We need to practice that. We need to keep in step with the Spirit. That we would dwell and we would behold. That we would remember that the Spirit is with us and he's also poured out on us. That spirit, the same spirit that was in Christ is in you and in me. And the second that I would suggest for how do we keep in step with the spirit is what I would call alignment for assignment. Chuck and I have been praying this prayer for many years now. Lord, may we be aligned to your will that we might know your assignments for this day. Alignment and assignment keeping in step with the Spirit every day, every moment. God, where are you at work? Let me join you there. Jesus himself says, I only did what the Father was doing. May we cooperate with the Spirit that is within us, keeping in step with the Spirit. Alignment for assignment means that we're going to have to surrender our will. We're going to have to get stretched out of our comfort zones. It was a little over a year ago that Chuck and I felt the ground shifting underneath us. And we sensed that God was saying, I want you to leave your church, and I want you to go out in full-time itinerant ministry, growing and developing leaders around the world to transform lives. Because the ripple effect, 
when the leaders are impacted, the ripple effect of teams and churches and communities and families, the ripple effect if we as leaders are transformed. And so God said, I want you to go. And I said, well, where are we going to live? And Chuck said, oh, we've got three kids and our parents. We'll be fine. We'll just show up at their step. I said, I don't think that's going to work. And um, the Lord said, take a leap of faith. So we literally gave away 95% of our earthly belongings. We didn't sell it. God said, give it away. We gave away 95% of our earthly belongings. We have a 10 by 20 storage unit in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Someone heard our story and they said, we just can't believe that you are leaving your salary and your health insurance and your benefits and you're just walking away from this vibrant community because you're following God's orders, alignment and assignment. And so they offered us a one-bedroom apartment. So we went from a five-bedroom parsonage to a one-bedroom apartment in Fairfield, Connecticut. We took a leap of faith. And I said, well, Lord, what is it going to look like? Like, how are we going to survive an itinerant ministry? What, what does this look like? And we were at council in May. I'll never forget when John Stamba put up a quote from A.B. Simpson. And that quote said, A.B. Simpson said, I asked God today for a verse for New York, and I received a blank. God made me willing to leave all to him to go with sealed orders. Sometimes alignment and assignment is you just sense God saying to do or go or be, and you're not even sure what it looks like, and it's sealed orders. It's sealed orders. But we go. I think that's what's keeping in step with the Spirit is, when it looks ridiculous and he stretches you out of your comfort zone, that you say, God, your will, your way, your time. I will keep in step with your Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit is that you pay attention. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you pay attention. So Chuck and I went on a seven-mile walk this weekend and stopped at our favorite Tasty Yolk, best uh, egg sandwich in the world. It's in Connecticut. If you want to come visit, we'll go for a walk and go get Tasty Yolk. So we had the egg sandwich, and we had already walked seven miles, and I said, I don't feel like walking another three miles back, so let's get a lift. So, all right, no judgment. I, so we, we got a... I heard the judgment over here. Um, so we got a lift. And we get in the lift, and we said to the guy, he said, looks like you've been walking. I said, yeah, we walked seven miles, but just had an egg sandwich, so we're going to drive home. And he goes, you guys inspire me. I need to get out and start walking again. I've never walked before, but I need to get out and start walking seven miles. I said, why don't you start with one? And so we're just talking in the back and forth. He says, you know what? I love my job. I do lift on the weekends, but I work at Home Depot and I love my job. They pay me well. I have benefits. I even have stock in the company. I even got to meet the CEO. And he goes, you know, people like me don't get to do this very often. And so I said, what do you mean, people like you? And he goes, well, I was lost and on the road, and I was a drunkard and an addict. 
but that program saved me. And so I said, what program are you talking about? And again, this is kind of crazy. He goes, it was an ARC, an adult rehabilitation center with the Salvation Army in Newark, New Jersey. He said, that program changed my life. And interestingly, I had just been at our leadership in Vancouver, and one of my leaders was a Salvation Army officer from, guess where? Newark, New Jersey. His name was Walter. And Walter said, I can't even believe that you guys know what I'm talking about, that you know about the ABCs to um, admit, believe, and commit. You know about this stuff. He said, it's changed my life. And before we got out of the taxi, Chuck put his hand forward and said, Walter, can I pray? And he prayed over Walter God's blessing, that God would continue to find blessing and favor in his life. And he kept saying, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Do you know how encouraging you have been to me? I can't believe this, that you got into my car. See, that's what alignment and assignment is all about. It's paying attention. For some of you, it might just be being 10% more kind. Just saying. <laughs> Alignment for assignment. I know, we're from New York. You know, that's what I always say to people. Listen, I'm from New York, but we carry the Holy Spirit within us. That Holy Spirit that emboldens and empowers and transforms people's lives. We cannot hold this in for ourselves. This is for a world that so desperately needs to hear about it. That we must know that the, we must know the cadence and the intonation and the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Announcing and demonstrating the kingdom of God. What was Jesus' MO? What was his modus operandi? Preach the word, heal the sick, and cast out demons. That was his MO, and guess what? That should be our MO. As we allow the Spirit to live that through us and empower us to do that, to have his power within, work within us. And so we're going to spend the next half hour or so in prayer, creating space for God to come in this place. The ancient fathers said, where God finds space, he enters. So we are going to create space for God to come. We are going to create space for the Holy Spirit who is our guide and our counselor who leads us into truth. And so for the first part, it's, you're going to be just on your own. Maybe with a journal in hand, maybe on your knees. You can move out to the sides or the back. I know there's not tons of room here. But Kate's going to just play quietly in the background. And I'm going to lead us through a time of repentance, reflection. You know, and this is not about uh, introspection. It's not about let me figure out what's going on. It's about Holy Spirit, will you shine a light? It's about Holy Spirit inspection. Inspect our souls. Show us where we are out of order. Show us where we are not 
ready for the battle that you've called us to. Show us where the spirit that is within us is blocked because there's something going on in our soul. And so, breath of God, would you breathe on us right now as we take a collective breath and we release it. Breath of God, come. Breathe him in. Take a deep breath. And release it. Holy Spirit, will you shine a spotlight into our souls? We who are the temple of the Holy Spirit have not always been in formation. We've been disordered. The soul which integrates all of our being, for some of us it is disintegrated, which leads to disintegration. Some of us, our souls just feel like they're disintegrating within us. So will you show us Lord, are there places that are blocked? Passions of our soul that are disordered. We haven't settled that we are accepted and significant and safe in you. The very temptations of Christ, which was settled and overcome. The temptations of the enemy, he overcame. We're still fighting with it trying to find our acceptance or our significance or our safety in things other than you. We're driven, we're striving, we're manipulating. For some of us, there are deep wounds in our soul, places of hurt that need your healing presence. Maybe there are some secrets, shame, unconfessed sins that, oh man, I don't want the Holy Spirit to shine a light on that one. Some of you, you know what it is already, it's glaring. Others of you are not so sure, but probably if you ask the person next to you, it would be pretty glaring to them. What's going on in our souls? Attitudes towards leadership. We have a disregard. Jealousy or comparison or self-pity. Why wasn't I chosen? Hmm. Apathy or laziness. We've disengaged. Perhaps there are some deep strongholds of the enemy. Cynicism, critical spirit, inability to submit, pride, and their strongholds that are keeping us from experiencing your freedom, Holy Spirit. We become what we behold. We heard that last night. 
but we also often become what we judge in others. And it's made it impossible for us to lead well. Some of us have become embittered leaders. There's a bitter root in our souls. Yes, that leader may have failed you. What was done to you was wrong. But God doesn't expect you to give an account for that leader, but to give an account for your response. And so you have a bitter root of judgment against somebody. And Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one uh, fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up because it causes trouble and it defiles many. And Lord, your law is that what we sow, we reap. So the very things that we have bitterness and judged in others is what we keep getting in our own life. Oh, Jesus, will you come and just uproot the bitterness in our souls? Yes, offenses have happened. Things that have been done against us that were not right or good or justified. Offenses happen, but offended is a choice. And some of us are walking around, around offended, and it's causing divisions in our churches, in our families, in our marriages. And so, Holy Spirit, we wait. Shine a light. What is it for me 